the Australian Defence Magazine podcast. Serving the business of defence. With Grant McHeron and Ewan Levick. Hi everyone and welcome back to the show. This episode we'll be chatting with Millie Keating, Industrial Development Unit Manager at Hanwha Defence Australia and we'll be talking about the Australian industry capability associated with the Huntsman and Redback projects. G'day Millie, welcome to the show. Thank you, wonderful to be able to join you. Fantastic. So Millie, can you please start off by uh, telling us about how you got where you are at the moment, a little bit of a nutshell summary of your background, please. Absolutely. And I think it's fair to say that the job I've got at Hanwha is the job that I've always wanted. I just didn't know it existed. (laughs) So I guess looking back, I've spent about 10 years in the defence sector. I spent a bit of time um, within the defence material organisation before six years with KPMG advising different defence and defence industry clients on everything from Uh, maintenance improvement programs through to strategic procurement and then uh, arriving with Hanwha, um, one of the first 10 employees back at the start of uh, 2020. Wow, that's pretty cool. So puts you in a pretty good position to uh, have a chat about these topics. So the first of the questions that we've got for you is, uh, can you give us a a big picture view of Hanwha's AIC in Australia? Hanwha's AIC approach, just like our broader industrial development approach, It is quite practical, but it's also very compelling. We are striving to do all of the things that our customer wants us to do, creating jobs, uh, creating capability, but but we're also focused on ensuring that those jobs are in regional locations, ensuring those jobs are enduring, that we want them to continue, and being able to provide opportunities for ongoing upskilling, reskilling, and really welcoming the next generation of employee into the defence sector. One other thing about our strategy, it's it's looking at global connectivity. A real focus for us is bringing together uh, Australian and Korean cultures and industrial effort and people, which is at the core of all of that. So for us, the Hanwha Defence Australia business will be a reverse supply chain back into Korea in the event that they need us. There's many reasons why Australia has been chosen for that, not just the Redback Enhancement Programs, but also the proximity of our nations. Uh, We're quite um, like-minded, both middle-sized powers, and we do have that industrial capability ready to support Korean industry if we do need that. Millie, I was going to jump in and ask then, um, we'll talk about each supply chain individually, but we'll start with the Huntsman. What Australian companies have you engaged in the Huntsman supply chain? It's been a rapid move from an RFI to an RFP and hopefully soon a contract for the Huntsman program. But so far, we've been fortunate to welcome a number of um, really quite incredible Australian companies into the supply chain. Just to mention a few, Kongsberg Defence Australia is our C4I partner for that program. CBG Systems, based in in Hobart, they're providing the multi-spectral camouflage system. And of course, Um, Sigma Bravo, as we've announced recently, is our training systems partner and they'll be developing a series of technology-enabled learning systems for users and maintainers. There are also a number of SMEs involved in the delivery of that program. One in particular, ElmTech, based in Adelaide, has been working with us already to develop some of the systems that will go into the Huntsman vehicle. 
Are you using uh, the same kind of suppliers for the Redback or do you have a different supply chain for that product? Wherever possible, we're trying to uh, create scale within our supply chain by getting them involved in both programs. Huntsman provides a a really good opportunity for us to mobilise the supply chain around a smaller volume. And if we were to be successful in Redback, those suppliers could move on and move up in scale in order to produce the several hundred more vehicles that would be required. Millie, you were talking before about um, the commonalities between Australia and Korea in terms of both being middle powers. And you mentioned if if it's needed in Korea that these suppliers in Australia could plug into Korea. What what opportunities are available or might be available for Australian companies to supply goods overseas? That's that's a great question, and I'm I'm glad you ended it with overseas because while we we talk a lot about supplying back into Korea, there is so much more available for Australian industry in Hanwha's programs in other parts of the world, including in, in the US and the UK where we know there are major programs very similar to Redback and Huntsman that will be occurring in the years to follow. So I think that's point one, that it's not just Korea. But to give you an example of a tangible opportunity that's already come to life for our Australian supply chain, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Australian company H.I. Fraser. They're based in Sydney and were selected to be our preferred supplier for automatic fire suppression systems. As part of our early discussions, uh, we facilitated some introductions into Korea uh, with a company called DNB and H.O. Fraser made the decision to enter into a partnership with this Korean company, which of of course is is great for us. We've empowered H.O. Fraser as our preferred supplier and the the additional benefit that we will both get from this arrangement is the the four-way agreement which will see DNB as the system OEM, buying 30% of the componentry for that system from Australian industry via HI Fraser for every Korean program where Hanwhai is supplying a vehicle. So already, uh, if if there's a program in Korea tomorrow, um, we know that HI Fraser has a minimum of 30% share in that export opportunity. Well, that's that's great to hear. And of course, you've spoken about these supply chains and uh, it's not just Korea and Australia, it's also overseas and international. So I'm guessing the supply lines or supply chains rather aren't fully finalised. There may be space for other companies to get involved or have you closed everything out? No, de- definitely not closed. I think like any company going into a major tender process and submitting best and final offers like we did for Land 400 just a few days ago, We have locked down where major systems and subsystems will be coming from. But there are various other opportunities, including further down in uh, Tier 2, Tier 3 supply, but also uh, different parts of Hanwha's own requirement, which we haven't finalised market testing for. Part of the reason for doing that is that these programs will not start manufacturing for another two, three or four years. Australian industry are are busy. That's one thing we've we've learned in recent months. And we think taking a risk-based approach, we will ask them for their support on those things that are outstanding, uh, closer to mobilisation as opposed to now where we are still waiting for some sort of confirmation, ideally a contract or two, to take those next steps. And Millie, um, can you be more specific on what capabilities you'll be looking for in one to two years? 
Absolutely, within reason, sorry, Ewan. We do have active tender processes underway, so I do have to be a little bit cautious. Uh, but a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, firstly, specialist fabricated parts and, and componentry. We've got a lot of um, market testing yet to go. As you can imagine on, on vehicles, the size of what we're looking at and the number of variants, there will be additional requirements in that, that fabrication and machining space but also production tools, um, production consumables. One big activity that we've got coming up sooner than one to two years is the appointment of a global logistics provider. So between the programs and our ongoing business mobilisation, there will be more activity. And Millie, can you give us a rundown of the proposed changes to Australian industry capability and how it will change or may change Hanwha's approach to well, Australian industry capability? I'm really glad you asked me about that, Ewan, and full disclosure, I'm a policy nerd. So <laughs> I've actually really enjoyed the past two years working with the Commonwealth to integrate that new framework into our contracts. The short answer to your question, how is it changing what we're doing? It's not. Uh, we are still seeking the same outcomes from industry. We, we still have the same objectives. But the difference here is it's very clear in the enhanced framework that the Commonwealth has responded to industry's requests for greater scrutiny and um, for higher levels of compliance and, and really getting those teeth out and, and making primes accountable. And, and we welcome that. It will be difficult, particularly around educating our supply chain who are used to doing it differently. And, and that's been an interesting activity to date. We have spent considerable time with SMEs and with our overseas subcontractors to get them to understand what this change means, not just now, but in contract. Can you give us an idea of how that education works? Is, are you going to your supply chain and saying these are the changes that are coming and this is how we need you to be prepared? Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we've tackled it in two separate ways. Um, firstly, with our, our tier one suppliers, because they have a, a different requirement out of the enhanced framework. It, it affects them in a different way than it would affect a, a small business. We've spent a, a series of workshops focused on what these changes are and how they have to complete different tender documentations and how they're to respond to our best and final offer process, for example, in order to show that they're adapting to the new way of doing things. And that can be challenging. Already overseas companies look at the Australian way of doing things and they're a bit intimidated by the amount of paperwork. But for the smaller businesses, we have held a couple of workshops with them as well, stepping through how to complete new documentation, talking through things like the ACE measurement rules, the Australian Contract Expenditure Measurement Rules, and getting them to understand how those principles apply to their business and to ours. Millie, if you had an opportunity to talk to future suppliers into Hanwha's supply chain in Australia about these contractual framework questions, what would you say? I suppose a podcast is a good place to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm lucky I have had that chance. And uh, at the time I said, it's going to be more work. There is more accountability on us, which means we do have to flow that down to our suppliers. But in the long run, it is going to make our sector better. It is going to protect their interests, particularly in these large programs, and we all have to get on board. 
Indeed. Now, we've just spoken a bit about the future. So looking beyond delivery of these platforms, what does the future look like for Australian companies and Hanwha's supply chain? I'm going to look at this in, in two different angles. And I think part of it is the Hanwha defence angle. The other part is the 90% of the Hanwha business that is not defence. Firstly, within the defence business, we have various global opportunities on the horizon. We intend to join the Commonwealth's Global Supply Chain Program uh, when the time is right in, in the next 12 months or so, we hope. And for those Australian companies who are supplying to us now, they are in the box seat, particularly for Redback, when the second, third and fourth customer comes along to buy that platform. There are multiple capabilities that have been in the Redback prototype vehicles from prototype, Australian designed and made. So those companies stand a really, really good chance of being able to continue supply into other markets. If I look outside of the defence sector, the the 90% of Hanwha that isn't defence, HDA or Hanwha Defence Australia is just the start for Hanwha's Australian businesses. We're looking at other opportunities in clean energy, particularly in hydrogen. Uh, We have a very large solar panel manufacturing company. We've got interests in construction, all sorts of things. So we are continuously looking for those adjacent opportunities for our suppliers. Millie, I've got two questions out of that. The first is how will joining the Commonwealth's global supply chain benefit HDA and your supply chain? That's a great question. And I think part of it is a bit of a mystery because we know there's an ongoing global supply chain review. And until we know what that program looks like and if it changes at all, It is hard for me to say with confidence how that will benefit us. What I could say, though, I think the resourcing and and providing us with dedicated people in each nation who are champions of global supply, that's probably the the greatest benefit I can see to start with. But as as I said earlier with our H.I. Fraser example, we're not waiting to be in that program in order to identify and pursue these opportunities. My second question was what you mentioned about the rest of Hanwha's portfolio. Does your role extend outside of the defence sector and into things like green hydrogen or green energy, sorry, and hydrogen, things like that? Formally, no, but informally, absolutely. There are a number of people within the Hanwha business in Australia who are, by nature of being on the ground and really driving forward the, the business growth, we are inheriting responsibilities, which which we embrace to connect other parts of the Hanwha business with Australian industry. One fantastic activity we did, I wanted to say last year, but it's actually not that long ago, was working with a group of MBA students from Monash University who, as part of their research project, were developing a strategy for Hanwha's expansion in Australia. And they focused in on, on green hydrogen and They came up with a concept, which was amazing, and they've really built the narrative around our Geelong precinct and around the strengths of Victoria. And that's certainly a strong example of of where we could go and how HDA, apologies, Hanwha Defence Australia, is leaning forward and, and shaping that part of the market for the benefit of our brothers and sisters in other parts of the business. And Millie, in your role, what what excites you about this? about working with Australian industry? What what are you looking forward to over the next one to two years? Besides uh, a couple of contracts, I'm, I'm looking forward to all of these highly skilled companies with passionate people 
being given an opportunity to participate, but more so the results of that participation. Being able to continuously invest in their own businesses and in their own people, that's what drives me. It's the people side that is often the first thing we think about and then we forget about it until the end. And our opportunity in delivering two potentially significant programs is to mobilise a workforce for our own reasons, but also to support all of our suppliers in upskilling, retaining additional people, uh, participating in Hanwha facilitated or uh, organised training events. There are endless opportunities for individuals to join the defence sector, hopefully many for the first time, and to grow and to learn about something pretty exciting. So this for you is is more about people almost than capability. I mean, people are capability, but it's really about skilling, about education, about training. Absolutely. And I think it it almost goes without saying that all of these things come together to deliver the ADF, the absolute best capability, that that's at the centre of everything that we do. The engineers are, are tackling the, the technical problems and Certainly don't leave that to me because I, I would not help in any in any way possible. And we have logisticians who are looking at supportability. But for me, my contribution to that best capability for the ADF is ensuring that we have the right people in the right place able to generate those capabilities. What, what challenges do you foresee in getting that workforce set up? I mean, there must be competition with other industry sectors and that kind of thing. Absolutely. And there is no secret about the extent of the challenge to attract skilled resources into our sector. We're often competing with the mining sector, increasingly with Silicon Valley and software engineers wanting to go to the US or or other places in the world that are really forward-leaning and on the cutting edge of technology. That is our greatest challenge. But I think There are mechanisms, and we're exploring them now ourselves, there are mechanisms for parts of the sector to collaborate and in a coordinated way find solutions to those challenges. And is this what you were saying about engaging students to, um, you know, get the messaging about the Geelong precinct? Is that a template for engaging with, with kids doing STEM or with graduates out of university with an eye to growing the workforce in Australia? Absolutely right. And if you look at the lifespan of, of a Redback or a Huntsman vehicle, the kids that are in grade five now could be working on our platform when they leave school. We need young people and, and, and people generally to understand what working in the defence industry and the manufacturing sector is actually like. It's not dirty work. It's not uh, dull. <laughs> certainly not dull. <laughs> There are lots of exciting and diverse opportunities available. We just don't always do a great job marketing ourselves as a sector. I I certainly know back when I was young (laughs) that a career in manufacturing or in defence was the furthest thing from my thoughts. But when you get close enough to it to understand what a uniquely complex sector it is and the benefits that it produces for soldiers and for the economy, I think most people I'd like to think could find their place in there. Well, that's been a fantastic discussion about AIC, the Hanwha projects, everything you've got going beyond defence, but a really good set of insights at the end there about uh, getting people into defence industry. So, Millie, thank you very much for coming on the show. Excellent. 
Thank you. Thanks, Billy. Well, thanks to everyone for listening once again. And don't forget, if you enjoyed what you've been listening to, you can like us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice as this helps others discover this show. Meanwhile, thanks for tuning in and we'll be back in the not too distant future with another informative episode. The ADM podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Australian Defence Magazine, a Yaffa media title. The views of the people appearing on this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Australian Defence Magazine, the Department of Defence or the guest's employer. If you wish to use any of the audio in this podcast, please contact Australian Defence Magazine via their website, australiandefence.com.au or via email at defmag at yaffa.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.